Pastor T. You know, Taylor, you said something earlier during the transition. You, you, you mentioned how when we are intentional about doing something before a situation happens, right? A lot of times what happens is our prayers become reactional prayers because we get caught off guard with a bad diagnosis. So we start praying like crazy for healing. And this is something that we do way in advance of that. When the marriage starts going, challenges, sometimes we'll step up the prayers. Uh, maybe what we need to do is step up the prayers so that the marriage doesn't go that direction. So the more we are intentional about the future now, it's kind of like your retirement. You save now for later on down the road, okay? You don't wait until it's time to retire and say, well, I better do something financially for my retirement. It's too late. And sometimes I think we go to God too late. And uh, we, we need to go ahead of time. And I've been talking to some lo our local pastors lately, and um, one of them was struggling because his church, he does more funerals than he does baby dedications because his church is getting older. And it's a struggle for him. And, and so what's happened is they weren't intentional about raising up the next generation. They just took a generation and rode them to the end. Are you following me? Some of us come from places like that. Uh, some of you grew up in churches like that where it was very gray in the room. All their hair looked like mine, okay? That's not a good sign. It's also not a good sign to not see any gray hair, right? That's what I love about our church. It's a multi-generational church. Uh, and so we've got young and old colliding, running into each other all day long. I love it. It's the way it should be. And uh, so some of you have been asking, what's, what's happening with me and uh, Tina and uh, my retirement? Some people think I'm retiring. Yes, I am retiring someday, not yet. But on March 3rd of this year, uh, we will be handing the torch over to Pastor Taylor and Noel to be senior pastors of our church. Yeah. No, not that loud, please. Okay. So, no, but, uh, but this is something that we planned a long time ago. One of our board members, Mike Green, came to me 10 years ago and said, Steve, we need to start talking about secession planning. I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm just getting started. He goes, no, these kinds of things have to be intentional. You have to think about them way ahead of time. And uh, so we've been working a plan for a long time. And I remember right before COVID, we sat down with a consultant and the idea is we felt the timing would be perfect for four years that um, Pastor Taylor take my place. And, um, and so COVID came by and kind of got distracted from all that, right? And then we woke up one day and it was, uh, it had been three years. And so we realized, hey, we could better step it up. And so we really felt that that was the Lord, that we need to do that. So part of that plan is not 
for me to disappear and go to Arizona and, and sit in a lounge chair or Florida or any of those places, right? I'm a Northwest boy. I'm a real-life church person. We founded this church. We love this church. We love this pe these people. We love our area. We love our community, and we're here to stay. So we love this church, and we, we will still be pastors, uh, associates, but we will be, I will be specifically working for my son. Now, part of that is because I feel like there are some things yet that I need to be doing for the ministry and for our community and for our church and things along those lines. But part of that also is I intentionally feel that what Pastor Taylor has to offer this church is something that I need personally that I want. Pastor Taylor and I are, we have different strengths. And his strengths are the strengths that I feel our church needs at this, during this season. And, and they're also the strengths that I need to acquire. Okay, I believe that he has been acquiring and, and learning from my strengths. Now it's my turn to learn from his. And for a father to say that about his son, that's a pretty big thing. So you need to understand that the blessing that that is for you. Because this is what's very unusual. Most of my friends that are pastors, when it comes time for them to move out of the senior role, have to go and do interviews of people from all around the country and hope that it works. We don't have to do that. And if you really look at the biblical pattern that you see throughout history, the, the ministry oftentimes followed the bloodline. Not when, it wasn't, when there wasn't a calling there, but when there is a calling, there's something very powerful about a bloodline transfer. Very powerful. So you need to recognize the rare opportunity that we have as a church to receive a pastor that you don't have to wonder if they're going to be here in four years from now. Do you understand how important that is? So, but you also have to understand is you can't look at this from a spectator point of view. You have to look at this uh, a couple of different ways. There are some of you that are of a new generation of Christians. A lot of you have been raised up with Pastor Taylor Noel uh, through our youth group. And uh, you've now gotten married and starting to have kids. And if Debbie has any way about it, she's gonna have you have more kids. And so, so just make sure you hear the Lord on that, the number, okay? <laughs> hear the Lord. But, um, but the young generation, here's what I'm, I, I wanna say to you, I wanna exhort you. Learn from the ones that go before you. Don't wait for them to tell you the stories. Ask them. Don't wait for them to give you wisdom or correction. Ask them. Pull from them. Draw from those that have gone before you. Don't wait for them to just get out of the way. Recognize that they have some treasures. There's things that they've done wrong. There's some things they've done right. And there's some things that they're really good at. So pull from them. And then for those of you that are my age, you know, maybe you're in your 50s or 60s. 70s, 80s, 90s, those of you that are older, recognize the role that you play begins to shift 
as you get older. You shift from leading the ship to encouraging the ones that lead the ship by supporting them, being their biggest fans, being their biggest workers, being their biggest volunteers, being their biggest team leads and all those kinds of things. But recognize the vision of the house is coming from a fresh new shoot out of an old root. Are you, are you following me? I feel like I want to preach on this. I'm just supposed to make an announcement. <laughs> but I'm just feeling like this is an important thing for you guys to hear. Um, now, last week we talked about the children of Israel, how they went through to the promised land. They had to go through some wilderness experience. In other words, a transition. And most of the people didn't make it through. Mainly because they grumbled and complained they didn't like change. They'd rather be in bondage or in slavery or in something that didn't work than to go into a promised land. And so, folks, you, those of us that are older, come on. I'm so excited to be able to be number two so that I can support number one so that we can go out and make a difference in this world. And Real Life Church is going to have a, 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 just a, a surge of growth. You better start making some more money because we're going to need all we can get to build baby rooms now, okay? And I really sense this. This is one of the things I felt in my spirit is we're about to see a baby boom for Real Life Church because God is going to infuse some new life. That, and can we just make sure that we get this in the right order since we're having a little family talk now? Those of you, just get married first if you can. You know, I mean, just, just make that work, okay? Makes it easier, way easier. And then have about four or five years with no kids. Just really enjoy yourself. Then start cranking them out, okay? <laughs> One after another, okay? That, I, those of you that want to be grandparents, you owe me money now, okay? So, but anyway, I think I just crossed the line here. But... Uh, <laughs> Hmm. No. Marriage first. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your kids. Okay. Well, I guess I am talking about you. Um, so here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's coming up real quick. March 3rd, I'm going to give my last sermon as a senior pastor. Is that wild or what? So any sermons after that will be um, as Taylor's associate. And uh, I'm very excited about that. But I really have a special message on, on the third that I want to share with you. So I encourage all of you to mark your calendars for that day. For those of you that come once a month, make that the day. <laughs> okay. Or just add an extra day that month and make it two. Um, and yeah, be there on that day. And then that evening, something very special is going to take place. Right here on this stage, we're going to install Pastor Taylor Noel into the lead role of this church, the lead pastors of this church. And uh, so I'm excited for that day. It's going to be a very special time. Some of Taylor's mentors, Taylor Noel's mentors will be here to pray over them and to prophesy and to speak life into the next generation for our church. 
Pastor Kevin and Meg will be here. Uh, those of you that were a part of CCF um, or remember Pastor Kevin and Meg, you'll get a chance to see them again, which will be really special. Uh, pa uh, Al and Nora Matthews are going to be coming from um, Oklahoma. Nora was my assistant for 27 years. Uh, can you imagine that, being somebody's assistant for 27 years? And uh, so they will be here. So they're excited to see the GGs and, uh, and be a part of that special day. But um, anyway, so that's what's happening. And I know that that's that coming up quick for all of us, but uh, I hope you are as excited about it as I am because the best days for real life church, the best days for the ministry that's still inside of me and Pastor Tina are ahead of us. And uh, we are excited for the next 26 years of Pastor Taylor Noel being in that lead seat or beyond. Okay, or beyond. But I have a feeling they won't make it to 26 because I think one of their kids is going to be chomping at the bit. Um, so we'll see. One thing at a time. Yeah, they're, they're, not quite ready. they're not quite ready yet. Hayden's ready. Yep. Anybody see the Frozen play yet? Hayden's in there. Yeah. She did a great job. So we're excited about that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, being intentional. And uh, for those of us that are struggle with change, Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, just to be, uh, be nimble and flexible uh, during this season, God. Help us be the kind of people, Father, that can help successfully transition uh, one generation to the next, the calling of God the purposes of God. May the inheritance continue in Jesus' name. Amen. My message today is called the inexhaustible or your inexhaustible inheritance. Uh, I think that all of us would love to have a really large inheritance. Some of us are waiting for one. We are anticipating one. Some of us are hoping that we have a great aunt or uncle that we never knew about that is going to inherit an estate in Scotland uh, like a friend of mine had had happen. Uh, and uh, so we, we all would love to have something like that happen. Kind of like how much we kind of fantasize every once in a while when you see the Powerball numbers get up to close to a trillion dollars and you're like going, I'd like to have my hand at receiving that seeing if I could do well with it. The interesting thing, I, I forget what the percentage is, but so many people that win the lottery of millions of dollars, buy homes and businesses and all kinds of things with that money, and they go bankrupt after having millions. They lose it all. A lot of the homes that are built for people, you know, on these shows, they go and they bless somebody that's really been a great contributor to the community and they build them a really awesome home and they, they lose it within a few years. And so, so we want something that lasts. I think we have a definition for the word uh, inheritance. Let's pull that up if we could. The birthright or heritage that has been passed on with the intent that stewardship would continue. Uh, that's kind of like what I was talking about with the church, Okay. The birthright or the heritage that has been passed on with intent that stewardship would continue. This is what 
we're looking for. So we're looking for stewardship of real life church. We're looking for the vision to continue and to expand and to grow and to, to um, not just stay the same. I had a friend that had an inheritance from an estate. One of the richest men in Seattle uh, had great wealth and he passed it on to his kids with the intent that it would be inexhaustible. And so what he did was he set up certain parameters for each of his kids and grandkids for the future so that all of his family for centuries would receive an inheritance of some sort. And the way that he kept it exhausted, uh, exhaustible was by putting these parameters in there, certain things that they had to do and certain things that they had to um, accomplish. And, uh, but one of the things that he put in there was that every other generation got the inheritance. And so... His kids got an inheritance, but his kids' kids did not, unless the kids responsibly invested it so that they would have something to give to their kids. But then their kids got the inheritance, but their kids didn't. And then their kids did. Do you see what I'm saying? So every other generation got an inheritance from the estate. The rest in between got the inheritance from their parents. And so, so it, stewardship was the most important thing that there was. But the point that I would like to draw your attention to is it was inexhaustible. It was inexhaustible. There was always going to be enough money. As long as the money was invested, as long as the money stayed in the trust, there would, it would never be, go dry. And so... They're on like the fourth generation now, and it's working quite fine. There's a spiritual inheritance that's inexhaustible as well. Last week, we talked about Moses and how Moses set up a framework for an inheritance spiritually, gave us the Ten Commandments that we still quote today that helps protect us and build our character and help us uh, with our lives and keep our communities from falling apart. And as long as we're following those commandments, we, we see that good things go well in our lives. And so we inherit this as Christians. We pass this down to our kids and our kids' kids. We inherit the scriptures and we inherit the prayers and we inherit the stories. And so as we receive that inheritance, we can pass it down to our kids and our grandkids. And if we do it, with stewardship, with intentionality, with the desire to raise up godly kids and to make a godly impact in our communities and with our employees, with our neighbors, our friends, and all that. There is no limit to how deep and wide that inheritance can go. You'll never run out of spiritual stories to tell, spiritual insights and wisdom to tell, to pass on, that will keep giving people life and life more abundantly. Now, I, as a pastor, get to tell stories all the time. So I tell all kinds of stories about my life, things I did right, things I did wrong, things that disappointed me, things that hurt me, things that were fun, things that were funny, all kinds of stuff, right? 
And so I get a lot of practice, but all of us have the opportunity to do the same thing just in different ways. Might not be part of your job, but it needs to be part of who you are. So, because you've been given an inheritance. You've been given a spiritual inheritance by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, by the Father God, to spread his word so that it continues for generations. Amen? So, um, here's the problem. In the book of Judges, chapter 2, we see that Moses had gone through the Red Sea and took the, people, the children of Israel through the wilderness. Then Joshua takes them into the promised land after Moses dies. And uh, so when Joshua takes the children of Israel into the promised land, there was a generation that grew up afterwards that didn't hear the stories of how God came through in the wilderness during the darkest times. Didn't hear the stories of how they got released out of bondage from Egypt. Didn't hear, didn't hear the stories about how the Red Sea parted and how God provided manna. And so what happened is they started turning to worship Baal and Asherah. And the problem is with that, those pagan idols, it caused them to be self-destructed. And we are seeing the same thing happen today. There's a great rise in pagan worship in today's culture. It comes through different things we see in Hollywood, in the music, and different things. You start seeing it in different Grammy Awards and things like that. You start seeing the worship of, of the devil and pagan gods and things like that. All, through, all around the world right now, it's coming out. They're exposing themselves like crazy. And it all comes out of the spirit of Baal. Okay, that's happening now. Because there was a generation that didn't pass on the stories, they kept them to themselves. And they died with the stories. They died with the tribal knowledge. We're not going to let that happen here. We're going to continue to do that. So the stories are the inheritance and if you tell the stories, there will be an inexhaustible spiritual um, pass down or inheritance that will, your kids will go on to share with their kids and your grandkids will share with their kids and their great grandkids and on and on. And that once you're gone, they'll continue on. Yeah. Hey, some of you feel like, man, I, I, I'm older now and my kids are all grown. It's too late for me to tell the stories. No, it's not too late. It's not too late. Stories are interesting because stories are things that you tell, but they're also things that you can pull out of people. And sometimes what we need to do is, 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 is pull the great stories out of those that have gone before us or those that are going through a new birth recently. We had a guy up here. You met Sang. He's now one of our ushers, and he came up and told a story. He went to his life group, and he realized, man, I got to get my stuff together. I've been hurting some people. I hurt some of my family members and hurt my wife and I hurt myself and I hurt my kids and I hurt all this stuff. I got I to gotta change. I got to do something. And he told his story. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and asked me, how do I get a hold of this guy? Why? Because they heard his story. We need to pull stories out of people. 
And when we pull stories out of people, beautiful things begin to happen. So I want to give you seven stories to pass on. Seven stories to pass on. Let me read a couple of scriptures first. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. In other words, we're thinking intentionally. We're thinking beyond ourselves. We're thinking beyond our kids. We're thinking now for our grandkids. And, you know, some of us, we're thinking, man, if I get the grandkids, I get a do-over. Because I didn't do so good with my kids, right? That's okay. That's a good thought to have. But don't condemn yourself. Just move forward from where you're at right now. Just do what you got to do right now. Don't kick yourself. But a good person leaves an inheritance. Or in other words, you could rephrase this. A good person thinks ahead. A good person thinks ahead. A good, a good person's intentional. Um, Psalms 145, starting with verse 1. The psalmist says this. He says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of all praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation, here we go. We're tapping into the inheritance right here. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Okay? This is the psalmist saying, David, let each generation... Tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Some of us have forgotten the miracles that God has done in our lives. And some of us have only allowed us to see miracles as this miracle healing or a check wound up in your mailbox un, you know, unannounced and it just showed up the day that you needed it. They're, those are nice miracles, but what about the miracles of a child birth? The miracles of our body, the miracles of our, how our planet and our universe and our solar system works together. What about those miracles? Don't forget those miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. So we sing it. We tell the stories. We praise it. We sing on Sunday. You know, this is why we sing on Sunday. Some people show up right after the song service. I don't like to sing. It's like, okay. That's fine. I don't find myself singing that much at home or wandering around. When I come to church, I'm ready to praise. I'm ready to lift my hands. I'm ready to recognize that God is in the room. I'm ready to recognize God is in my life. I'm ready. I come in feeling low as the snake's belly, and man, I leave feeling higher than a kite. Why? Because I lift his name up and sing his praises, and I want to pass on a generational inheritance for my kids. All right, so seven... Seven stories to pass on. I, 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 I wasn't going to read this one, but I got to read this, this scripture. Let me proclaim your power to, or this is Psalm 71, 18. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all that come after me. I love that. 
I love that passage. Oh, it says at the beginning, now that I'm old and gray, don't abandon me in God. <laughs> what meat makes you old? Having gray hair. Right, Taylor? <laughs> now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation. That should be all of our prayers. Now that you're out of high school, you should be proclaiming God's power. Now that you're old and out of high school, you should be proclaiming God's power to those little kids that are out there. Get in those classes, serve in those classes, tell the stories of going to high school and how you had to resist culture in order to be able to, to serve the Lord in a way that you felt great about and that God was glorified. Love it. All right. First of the seven stories. The first story is the story of temptation. This comes early in your Christian walk because, you know, you bring some baggage in from the old life and you recognize right away that the old life, you had gotten some habits and some beliefs and some behaviors and some verbiage and all kinds of things that you did. You had some emotions that got out of control. You had some anger issues or you had some greed uh, but there are some things that will go on in the old life, and when you just because you're born again doesn't mean your behavior ha has been. Your behavior and your thinking, your subconscious mind reverts back to days pre-baptism, oftentimes. And so there's a, a season that goes from the time that you decide to give yourself to the Lord to the time you die, where temptation comes. Temptation comes and tries to pull you off center. There's certain thoughts that come to you uh, depending on what is your weak link. So addiction could pull at you, uh, you know, em emotional outbursts or control or betrayal or lying or stealing or any of those things. You know, getting into any kind of addiction or habit that is destructive or dishonoring uh, to God. And so you face this time where you decide God will kind of bring to you one thing at a time, maybe two, but he doesn't try, expect you to go deal with them all at once. And the reason being, it would be kind of like trying to pull 10 weeds at a time. One, you'll probably just break the tops off of them. And what he wants you to do is get the root off. So by taking a little bit of time dealing with that temptation, feeling that pull, resisting that pull, reminding yourself you're a new creature in Christ, you got baptized, there's, there's a time where you wrestle with that temptation and that struggle, and then you have the victory. And sometimes it comes right away, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And the more you get into the word, the more you go to church and you hear of, of other people's testimonies and you find out what other people did and you begin to draw from other people's stories. And pretty soon you'll find the victory so that God can introduce you to another one. Okay? And, uh, and so there's a series of, of victories. If you look back, some of you look back and you see that, oh, Wow. I was really loose before I became a Christian. 
And God took me through a series of temptation or was with me when the enemy took me through some temptations and I resisted him. And this is how I did it. And that story will preach. Some of you have never told the stories of temptation. And I'm sure that there's sometimes those stories are appropriate for kids. Sometimes they're not. But they're appropriate for one another in this room here. And so we need to learn to tell the stories of how we overcame temptation. I think it's super important that we recognize that our, our story of overcoming addiction or greed or a gambling issue or, or um, just repeated bad decisions will give faith to other people. But not just because you overcame it, but because God led you out of it. Sometimes people have stories, but they leave God out of it. Show how God took you through it. Show the scriptures and the words and, and the people that God used to do so. The second story is provision. Provision. The word provision is two words, pro and vision. The prefix means um, to be approved or to have favor, okay? And so when you have a vision, you have a picture of something that you want or something that you desire, and God is in favor of that thing. It's amazing what kind of blessing comes into your life that provides for that situation. Some of us have non-God visions and we can't figure out how it doesn't get provided for. And probably because you don't have the favor for that. It's possible. I don't know. Maybe you just need to wait a little longer. But provision has stories. When you couldn't pay rent and God spoke to you and said, hey, help this person in, the, in their time of need first. And you did it. And then God provided. And you don't even know how. You just know what. There's times when we go through th visions that we have and things that we really feel the Lord call, called us to do. And God provided for us in just the nick of time. I remember one time when uh, Cameron, my, our youngest son, he had, a, um, he had a disposition that was very similar to Napoleon Dynamite. He also had hair that looked like Napoleon Dynamite. And so people started hiring him to be Napoleon Dynamite at their birthday parties. He had a pair of his mom's moon boots. And he had the jeans uh, that looked like Napoleon Dynamite. And he had the shirt and the whole thing. So he really looked like Napoleon Dynamite. And when the movie came out, I went to see it with a friend of mine named Tim. And, and when we got out to the car, we, he, he, the first thing he said is... Uh, no, I said, why did we see this movie? <laughs> and he says, I don't know, but I just feel like I just was watching your son the whole time. Because <laughs> he would always say to his brothers, idiot. I mean, just like Napoleon Dynamite did. So I think he must have met Cameron somewhere or something. I don't know. But anyway, so Cameron got, gets hired to the, for this this Napoleon Dynamite um, birthday. 
and he forgets to get the address. And it's the day of, of, of the event, and we just knew what neighborhood it was in. So we drive around the neighborhood and uh, at Four Corners up in Maple Woods, and we're driving around, knocking on doors. Does anybody know anybody that's having a Napoleon Dynamite party? You know, and there's going to be a live llama there, and he was supposed to carry the, walk the llama around and all this stuff. And he really wanted to be at this party. He's so bad, you know, but we couldn't find it. And so there was a going away party for our worship leader, Kurt. Um, and we went to a different neighborhood to the, the party and he was just bummed. He just sat there in the corner. And my then assistant, Nora Matthews, came to the party and uh, she took a phone call outside. And as she was outside on the corner... Oh, I forgot to tell you, uh, Cameron prayed like nobody's business. He prayed. I mean, at the time, he was like 14, 15 years old. And he was praying. And, um, and she goes out and takes this phone call. And as, uh, while she's on the phone, she had also heard the story that Cameron couldn't find it. And that's why he was so sad at the party. And while he was on the phone, this llama and this guy walks by. <laughs> Nora gets off the phone. She goes, excuse me, are you going to a Napoleon Dynamite birthday party? And she goes, I sure am. She goes, where is it? Two doors down. <laughs> Two doors down. Cameron, she goes in and tells Cameron. Cameron runs down there, and he was Napoleon Dynamite and made it just in time. It was perfect. There's provisions. There's provisions. And... Uh, and so when you, when God meets your need, when God answers that prayer, when God miraculously provides, when God leads you and guides you to the provision for the vision, that's a powerful thing. Share those stories. Here's another one. We need to share the stories of, of offense. When you overcame an offense, everybody will, this is a fact. Every human being is gonna get offended by somebody. Somebody's gonna, you're gonna get betrayed or somebody's gonna hurt your feelings or somebody's gonna take something from you or somebody's gonna do something that doesn't measure up to your expectations and you're gonna be offended. They're gonna ignore you. They're not gonna call you. They didn't return it. You know, whatever. You, there's an opportunity for you to get offended by something and it's a test. It's a test to see if you're able to go into the promised land. It's a test to see if you're able to go to the next step. Offenses, when you forgive somebody that doesn't deserve to be forgiven, that hasn't apologized yet, that's a powerful story. When somebody hurt you and betrayed you, dumped you, laughed at you, accused you of something you didn't do, judged you, ignored you. You're going to go through it. And you have a chance to handle it the way the flesh wants to handle it, which is to just cut them off or to make it right, at least by you. Paul says it like this. He says, the apostle Paul, he says it like this. And this guy continually got betrayed. He got rocks thrown at him, stoned. All kinds of things. And he says, as much as lives within you, be at peace with all people. 
So in other words, as much as you can do, be at peace with people. Offenses. Telling your story of how you overcame a betrayal. And allow God to show you what unreasonable forgiveness is about. That story will preach. Just like Jesus' story when he got nailed to the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's unreasonable forgiveness. That story will preach and your kids need to hear it. Your kids need to hear it. Forgiveness is an important tool and we have to learn how to work with it. Uh, you need to learn how to forgive, uh, be forgiven by God and you also need to learn how to forgive others. You need to for forgive your son. You need to forgive your daughter and you need to ask for forgiveness from your son and you need to ask for forgiveness from your daughter. There's times when you have to do that and that story will preach. I remember one time I raised my voice really loud at Taylor when he was little. I think he was probably Jude's age. And I realized that I could see, I could literally see his heart just, I think he was rattled and I could see him kind of close off. And he went and laid down on his bed. And I don't know if he remembers this, but I remember kneeling next to the bed and apologizing to him. And he says, it's okay, dad. And I said, no, it's not okay. It's never okay for dad to talk to you like that, ever. And I've had to have that conversation with him several times. But that'll preach. It just, it just did. Are you following me? Okay. You have to open their hearts back up. Here's another one. I probably won't get to all seven, but I'll, I'll give you one more. Healing. Probably two areas. Physical healings, when you get healed, that story will preach. When my wife went through cancer, her story preaches. The way she handled it, her mindset, her recovery, and all those things is an amazing story. Preach your stories of healing. Share it. Tell the stories. Pull that tool out, that story out like a tool bag. And, and use it when you're talking to somebody that, that's going through a tough time physically. But there's also emotional healing that needs to take place and probably our, our biggest surge in groups in the last year or so is our brave groups. Where men and women get in groups of eight people and they come and they learn how to handle their childhood trauma, their young adult trauma, or their current trauma that they're going through. And the transformation in 26 years, when I reflect back, probably the greatest transformation I've ever seen happen to people in our church is our brave groups. I look around the room right now, I can see about 20 of you that, that have gone through those groups. And the stories that I hear you tell all because I heard a story of a woman that I knew for 40 years that had been brutally abused as a child. Hurt by her own father, her own husband molested her children and everything pointed back to how worthless he was. 
And it didn't help that her maiden name was Worth. And all the kids called her Worthless. She grew up thinking she was worthless. And then at 70-something years old, she went into a brave group. Right during the middle of COVID, she got set free and wrote out her story. She passed away in a hospital when so many people were dying. And uh, her kids asked me to do her funeral or speak at her funeral, and so I did. And they said, well, maybe you'd like to read her brave story. And it was the story that she read to the group at the end of the group's session. And it so moved me that it took her 70-something years to deal with those wounds. But she got free weeks before she died. And I said, we need that program. And man, it's almost like that story right there caused all these people in our church to be free because of one person's story. What story are you holding on to that is keeping your inheritance from being passed down? You have an inexhaustible inheritance. You see, Mary's inheritance really took off after she died. It's because she told the story and somebody passed the story on. I pray that you'll recognize the value of that. There's the story of the dark night of the soul. When God helped you through that depression or that fear of your prodigal son or daughter being out on the streets. There's that dark night of the soul that God helps you get through. That story will preach. That story will set people free. There's the story of compassion. When God tells you to to do something generous for somebody that doesn't deserve it but really needs it and you open up your home or you open up your arms or you open up your wallet or you open up a part of your life to them. There's a story of compassion that comes when you experience a mission trip and you see people that live in a city dump squeezing a rotted banana just to get some nourishment. I have all those stories. There's a story of failures. And some of you go, well, I got one of those. But God getting you through that failure will preach. And it'll, it'll pass on an inheritance. So you don't just share stories, but you also ask people about their story. Because that can help the inheritance spread. And stories, when you tell stories, it makes people look inside like some of you are doing right now. 
Because we spend so much time up here, sometimes we have to go in here and try to figure what God's trying to do in here. Amen? What an adventure. You've just won the lotto. The spiritual lotto, an inexhaustible. You, you have an inexhaustible resource that you can pass on for generations. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand up to your feet? As we go, uh, I want to pray for you. But I, I want to say something to all of you that have never had a personal relationship with Jesus. And you don't have those stories of how God has done work in your life. And you know that you need that. Our prayer partners are going to be up here. And they're, they're ready to pray for you. Okay? And this is a great way to start your story is by getting somebody to pray for you so that you can enter in to the saving power of Jesus Christ. And so they'll be lined up up here in front as we dismiss. And uh, I would encourage you to come up and let them know, I need to give my heart to Jesus. And then they're going to pray for you and you're going to start your journey. Okay. Sound good. But for all of us today, can we say this prayer? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, Help me see my story. Help me see what you want to do with it. Help me pull it out at the right time with the right people. Everywhere I go, with everyone I'm with, may I be revealed as a source of story. In Jesus' name.